Welcome to the Ketones and Coffee Podcast with Lawrence Munaig, where we explore the ketogenic lifestyle and how it can improve your physical and mental health. Each week, we bring you valuable insights and advice from experts to help you on your journey to a healthier lifestyle. This episode is brought to you by BasicKetogenicLifestyle.com, where Lawrence coaches individuals with depression to reverse their symptoms and achieve a healthier, happier life using an evidence-based approach. So sit back, relax, and join us as we dive deep into the world of ketones and coffee. Subscribe to the Ketones and Coffee podcast today and never miss an episode. Hey guys, this is Lawrence and welcome back to the Ketones and Coffee Podcast and thank you so much for tuning in. I know everyone here that's listening are here because you want to create a sustainable, healthy lifestyle through the ketogenic diet and every single week I try to bring in guests that not only has the knowledge but these individuals has also been through the same trials that we all have been through when it comes down to our search for a better health. We get together in hopes to assist you on your own journey. I'm so excited for this guys. This is the anniversary of Ketones and Coffee. It's been a year so thank you. So stick around because Our guest today is a health and wellness coach. She specializes in both ketogenic nutrition and lifestyle optimization with a goal of bridging the gap between the mind and the body. Her coaching company, KY Wellness, focuses focuses on not only nutrition and exercise, but her practice also highlights changes in individual habits, behaviors, and even creating and developing mindfulness techniques to keep you well both mentally and physically. Mind and body, I love that. She is also an accredited personal trainer, also in nutrition, in weight management, mindful meditation, and more importantly, in ketogenic nutrition. She is also the host of the brand new Keep Yourself Well podcast where she talks about Keto nutrition and lifestyle optimization. I'm so excited for this, guys. I'm here with Callie Youngstrom. Callie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. What a <laughs> beautiful introduction. Thank you. Matt, wow. Well deserved for sure. Um, what an incredible journey you're on, Callie. This journey, this passion you have for health and wellness. Um, I was reading up on your story. Ever since you were uh, 10 years old, you started competing, getting yourself uh, a couple of university degrees and got them whilst competing in, at a professional level in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then created your own coaching company, finding true passion through that experience. Then you had also competed in powerlifting, crushed it in the Canadian Nationals broke multiple lifting records and then qualified for the world championship and finished ninth in the world. Throughout that process, with all your success, you found coaching people to to become the healthier and happier versions of themselves, which is what gave you the most satisfaction out of all of that. You had accomplished so many things in your career, uh, starting at such an early age, knowing that health and wellness was your passion. My question is, where did that all come from? Did all of that come natural to you or your parents, athletes? Just want to understand how you harness that so early. That's a really cool question, actually. It's something I haven't reflected on in a long time. And I do think it really has been natural. I was always an athlete and I feel very lucky to have been introduced to athletics from a young age. And my parents really encouraged me and my brothers to do sports. So we were always super active team sports and individual sports. And it makes sense to me now. I think that I've transitioned to being an entrepreneur. I've always felt very independent and I naturally would Uh, kind of push myself into positions of wanting to be a leader. So I very quickly kind of gravitated towards the individual sports, not that I don't love team sports and working as a team, but I felt like I really excelled in the individual sports. So yeah, we, I'm from a very small town, like 500 people and everybody had to play every sport basically to have a team. So we were introduced to a wide variety of sports from a really young age, which I think helped to make it fun and just 
mm-hmm. give me those experiences. And yeah, I kind of focused in on my few and went from there. Talk about that evolution for such a young age and then getting into sports, harnessing that love for health and wellness. Um, how were you able to um, get to the next stage? What was the goal and what are you trying to Uh, Was there a goal at the time and what are you trying to accomplish? So originally, I think the goal was Olympic wrestling. This was something that was always, especially as a woman, because there were very few women wrestling when I was kind of coming up. So from, you know, the time I was 10 years old until graduating high school, wrestling was really like the be all end all for me. And that was where I spent most of my energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then unfortunately, due to concussions, I had to retire earlier than expected. And I'm sure we'll get into it. But that's actually a big part of my choice in ketogenic nutrition. Mm -hmm. I talk quite frequently about that. So I was kind of between a rock and a hard place. I had put all my eggs in this basket of wrestling for a really long time. And it had facilitated such a passion and love in nutrition and training and recovery. Mm. And my relationship with food was very much about, you know, optimal fuel as an athlete, which Mm. I think came to play later on, but yeah, so I had to pivot and that's really how I ended up kind of falling into bodybuilding. So to just hit on something you said originally, yes, it was, it's all been very organic. I feel Mm. I've fallen into things just by pivoting and following my passions. And I feel very, lucky to have had these opportunities as a result of just kind of following my natural intuition. So you talked about um, just having that natural uh, inclination to health and wellness. What was healthy look like for you before keto? Um, Because a lot of what we know now as a ketogenic nutrition coach, (laughs) you would know that you know, because you've used, because from what, from what I understand, you were you started keto after university, after you got your second degree, and you were still competing at that time. Um, what were you doing at that time, and how did you find out about keto? So I, yeah, I started the. I wish I would have. I mean, had I known, kept a better mm-hmm. track of my journey to keto and like had a specific date, but again, like everything in my life, I feel like it just happened so naturally. So it was somewhere between my first and second degree. So early twenties prior to that, as soon as you said that, I literally saw like an image of a vector cereal box. I sorry, not to name names, cereal box. (laughs) When I was like very first in university, I was still on the like carbs for fuel train, especially coming from an athletic background. I remember between wrestling matches, eating rice cakes. I don't even think I had Mm. anything else on them. Like it was just carbs. And that was, I mean, still to this day, right? We Mm. hear it all the time. You need carbs to fuel, especially as an Mm. athlete, like frequent. And I didn't feel well eating that way, Mm. but it's what I knew. So yes, I can vividly remember a high frequency of uh, sugary marketed as health, high protein Mm. cereal in the mix. Um, and really just like kind of meat and potatoes approach. Like I was very balanced meals. I would say I generally did have a healthier diet in terms of eating majority whole foods, but it was on the higher end in terms of carbohydrates. I mean, lots of smoothies and things like that. I drank a ton of skim milk growing up, which Mm -hmm. now makes me cringe. I just can't even (laughs) imagine, but like, it's what I knew, right? It was, I I need vitamins. I need my calcium. I need anyway. So I started transitioning based on how I felt cognitively. It had nothing to do with body composition, nothing to do with weight loss. I was in my like early 20s, like 19, 20, when I started going down this path, I just had such brain fog all the time. And I really noticed it sitting in morning lectures at university, just feeling like I couldn't focus, I couldn't function, I was not optimized it became quite scary where I actually was very concerned that my 
concussions were having a dramatic effect and that this was something that wasn't going to go away. And somehow I put together that I felt worse when I ate oatmeal in the mornings. There's another example of classic. I thought I needed Mm. to eat oatmeal every morning. I don't even think I was having protein with it at like, it just was, this is healthy. I need the energy, so on and so forth. So I started with simply cutting out oatmeal in the morning and I noticed how much better I felt instantly. It was like, the fog had lifted. And I think I put eggs and avocado in first. And then slowly but surely, I just was really being intuitive, listening to how I felt bringing in and taking out different foods. And very quickly, I had what I didn't know at the time was a ketogenic diet. So I was eating keto before I had any idea. Because again, this was like a decade ago, it just wasn't in the mainstream. Like Atkins was popular, Mm -hmm. but I mean, again, Mm -hmm. from a very small town and a farming community where it just Mm -hmm. wasn't really part of the conversation. So I had never heard of keto up until this Mm -hmm. point. And I was also just starting to dabble into bodybuilding where all I heard was classic bodybuilder diet, like chicken and rice. So it was kind Mm -hmm. of uncharted territory. But once I started feeling better, this kind of spearheaded my own Mm -hmm. research journey. And what I always call is like me being my own science experience, the experiment and equals one, like this kind of, yeah, it opened the floodgate for everything to come. And you talk about having to uh, start your own company at the time while you were bodybuilding, correct? Mm-hmm. And you you took on a few clients, and were you teaching them keto at that time, or what? What were you What were you teaching them about nutrition? So that's so funny. I actually talked about that in a podcast on my channel recently, and I started off coaching while I was still kind of on the fence with a carb keto diet. I hadn't mm. committed all the way. Because again, it was as if I was going against everything I'd ever learned and and the advice of everyone around me in the bodybuilding world. Like, um, so it got to the point where I was doing keto personally and had committed to like, once I, I, I feel like it's once you've gone through a level of knowing within what ketogenic nutrition is capable of, especially for health and longevity disease prevention, Mm -hmm. There's no undoing that knowledge. So once I had gotten to that point of really understanding the disease prevention aspect, like that was it. This is the be all end all for me in terms of longevity. Now I am very, I'm a big kind of proponent of keto based. So Mm -hmm. personally, that doesn't mean there's not a single day of my life. I'm not going to have slightly higher carbohydrates, but I had committed to, you know, keto based is where I feel my best. And also what I believe based on the endless research I've done is going to be the best for me long-term in terms of that longevity. Mm. So there was a crossover period where I was doing keto and had committed to it as basically a lifelong, but people were still requesting traditional diets and carb-based diets and keto wasn't part of the mainstream conversation then like it is now. So I started having this kind of moral dilemma. So there was a couple of years where I was eating carbs and coaching a more carb-based approach. And then there was a period where I was doing keto, but still kind of on the line with clients of carbs and keto. And I essentially would give them the choice with a strong, gentle nudge towards keto, if anyone was willing. Um, Mm. And then eventually I got to the point about five years ago where I was just like, look, this is not what I believe in. I cannot like rest Mm -hmm. easy giving people a carb-based diet, even if that's what they're requesting. And I just knew that this was going to be, I say the fuel of the future. Like people were going to continue learning, accepting and understanding keto. So I just pulled the trigger. I Mm rebranded, I went keto only, and I've been doing keto only coaching for five or six years now. Hey guys, let me tell you about this delivery service that's been a total game changer for my lifestyle. Did you know that it's now possible to get local fresh groceries delivered right at your doorstep? Well, Instacart gives you unlimited grocery delivery for one low monthly fee. And if I can avoid buying non-keto-friendly items from supermarkets who psychs you into buying unhealthy foods, plus if it saves me a lot of time and money, sign me up. 
Instacart is hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences so no more rock-hard avocados and they will keep your eggs safe too. And Instacart will find everything you usually buy and get smart suggestions for new items. And you can get your first order today delivered for free when you purchase over $35 by following the link on the show notes below to let Instacart know that I sent you and to help to support the show. Instacart, never step foot in the grocery store again. Wow. Uh, five or six years, given it's now uh, gained a lot of traction with, with the fitness community, right? But how? what is it like back then? When you talk about keto at the time, it must have been so disruptive to talk about. Oh, people is thought I not? was insane. Like, Are, <laughs> it was, and like harsh feedback. And that's why it was so hard, and not to be dramatic about it, but it was really challenging to mm. publicly be one mm. of the first, especially like uh, in the online community, mm-hmm. it was such a small, tight knit community. Like I had, I don't know if you know, Dr. Ryan Lowry of ketogenic.com, Aspie, author of ketogenic Bible. It was such a small Instagram community, for example, talking about keto that I had the opportunity to connect with him, like almost immediately into my like foray into mm-hmm. keto. And now he, I mean, he's like one of the biggest names in ketogenic nutrition. Mm-hmm. And just because it was so niched at the time, you know, we connected right away. So yes, there was a lot of backlash. And this was one of the reasons that I was very mm-hmm. hesitant to publicly commit and commit my whole business mm-hmm. um, to keto because it was really going against the grain at the time. And, you know, I don't think I was sitting down having those conversations with myself being like, you know, we're first movers in this. It's going to be, it was just more like, I felt like I was cheating on my belief (laughs) system and I had to do what I really thought was best for myself and really believed was the best and going to continue to be the best for my clients. And I'm so glad I followed my gut with it. You know, it was really scary, Mm -hmm. but I would get comments literally being like, you're going to kill people. This is not like, it was just so dramatized at the time. I think Mm -hmm. when we were initially making this public shift towards healthy fats, and now it almost sounds crazy to think that Mm -hmm. I had that level of resistance because it's becoming Mm -hmm. so much more normalized. But part Mm -hmm. of that is the amount of research that's come out in the last five, six years up, you know, to a decade has really helped open people's eyes and Mm -hmm. people just are fearful, right? Like there was a level of Mm -hmm. ignorance and to this day is where people are scared of what they don't know. And they are just defensive of wanting to do what's best. So I totally understood it. And I just tried to lead with love in the sense of I'm not here to Mm -hmm. like harsh on a carb-based diet. I'm only here to talk positively about a ketogenic diet. And I think that's a really important part of the approach that I tried to take was you can be an advocate for something without Mm. being negative on something else. And so I just tried to, yeah, continuously Mm -hmm. teach as well. Man, after six years, given, given its popularity to this day, um, there is still like some health magazine. I don't know if you've seen this, there's a health magazine that ranked keto last on the list of healthy diets (laughs) so it's still disruptive to this day i know um you know the amount of information that's available to us right now it's it's up to you uh, on on what you will believe but uh, at the end of the day you have believed it before people even talked about keto like you had believed this six years ago when nobody's talking about it and you had i i don't want to say risk your career because you started it at uh, such an early stage in in the keto uh when when keto is not even talked about um you had went full full force uh, all in on 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 keto and that must have mean that you really truly believed in it right um back then wow your your journey screams consistency to me and grit uh throughout your career but do you ever get days that you don't want to get up and do some work? You obviously fought that off because you can't get to where you are uh, without staying consistent. But how do you manage those days where you don't feel like working out or when you feel like everything is 
is because you we I get those days where you know I, I don't want to do anything today. Um, you know, feeling down myself. It's it's cold outside. You know, this cold weather. Uh, I don't want to run outside. How do you manage those days, or do you even get those things? Oh yeah, I mean, first of all, <laughs> you're being way too generous. I feel like you're putting me on a pedestal I do not belong on, but I appreciate it. And we all get those days. Mm. The most successful people in the world, like I'm sure. Elon Musk has those days, whoever you would like to put at the epitome of your list. Like the, I like that you use the word consistency. And also I love the word grit. I haven't heard that for a long time. I'm going to adopt that, but consistency is the name of the game. And I say consistency and dedication, that's it. And having a plan. I have systems in place based around discipline and consistency that do not allow me to not follow through with commitments I've made to myself. Mm. Uh, So I, you know, I say all the time, I think, you know, motivation is fleeting. It's discipline Mm. and consistency. I agree. Motivation may be what encourages you to commit to a structure of discipline and consistency, but then it's that follow through. So absolutely. And I mean, this is part of um, you know, as you mentioned in my intro, why I work so much on the mindset side of things alongside nutrition, anyone's mm. capable of following a ketogenic menu they find online, you know, maybe it's mm. not optimized for them, which is a big piece of the puzzle, but no one's incapable of finding a menu or, you know, developing something on their own and being able to, to implement it, committing to it consistently so that it becomes a lifestyle is a much larger piece of the puzzle. So I think that, you know, at least 50% of nutrition Mm. and wellness in terms of lifestyle changes mindset, if not more, like probably closer to 75%, you know, it's such a big piece of the pie. And when it comes to something like keto, you know, like you said, there's still so much resistance against it. We also have to be really gentle and patient with people where, you know, if people have been told that fat is bad for decades, it's going to take a long time. And so, you know, I think that nutrition Mm -hmm. is very much a habit and it takes time to replace habits and implement habits. So I'm really big on habits, consistency, dedication, all of that. Uh, And yeah, I just don't break promises to myself. That's the biggest. So my workouts are a promise to myself, you know, if I have committed to a training session, whatever it is, I really, unless I'm sick, unless I'm really run down, try not to be flexible on it. I love that word commitment. It's uh, what does that look like? Um, is that a contract to your, with yourself? Or if you miss it, do you what do you tell yourself? Or what do you tell yourself for you to get up and and not miss a workout or not miss a commitment? what because you have to be at a level that a lot of us aren't right because we tell ourselves excuses we tell ourselves some people can make excuses about not having enough time to exercise or do things to stay healthy um because they're so busy with school or work maybe or whatever it the case may be in the other hand you got a couple of degrees uh and then whilst competing at the best of, with the best of the best you have accomplished these incredible feats while you're doing all of these things. To that, what do you say to people that um, are making commitments but cannot, uh, uh, maybe they're saying, I'm too busy. What, to that, what do you say? Mm. Well, I think part of it is honoring the comfort you want in the future more than the immediate comforts you want now. Because that's mm. the thing. It's cold. That's I don't, don't want to run right now, but I want to be able to run a half marathon in a month mm. or whatever the case is. I'm fi- I'm uh, thinking about the marshmallow test with kids. If you've ever, have you ever? Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, like, yes. Um, like psychology yes. 101, right? It's you like leave a kid in a room and with a marshmallow on a plate and say like, if you mm. it's still here, when I come back, you'll get two marshmallows, right? Like, psychology can be so simplified. And I think often as adults, we overcomplicate things. We're very simple in our basic wants and desires. We desire comfort. It's a natural response. We want to increase comfort, decrease pain, stress, 
but we're not in a fight or flight situation. Mm. Luckily, most of us on a daily basis. So we get to opt in for these stresses. So I try to think of it as like, it's a luxury to follow through and commit myself to that. And I think um, oftentimes we think that motivation comes before success. I think mm-hmm. success breeds motivation. So when we set ourselves up for little challenges that we can succeed in, it makes us feel more motivated to then push the you know end goal a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. So I think succeeding with a small goal first allows you to then become more confident and maybe let's say, quote unquote, more motivated to expand and go somewhere bigger. So I really try to be mindful about not honoring the immediate comfort that I want and honoring Mm. the big picture. And I think goal setting is a big part of that too, like Mm. setting the big goal, but then how do you break it down into monthly, weekly, Mm. daily goals, even depending on the person, maybe it needs Mm. to be hourly. And I think it's like, it's a muscle that you have to flex and it becomes easier. And the time, the no time thing, I love this. The no time thing is that's difficult because yes, there's the like hardcore version of me. That's like, that's a, like, it's just an excuse, but look, I work with majority busy moms. And they will check in with me and be like, you know, I know it's an excuse, but I wasn't able to like X, Y, Z this week. I'm like, it's absolutely not an excuse. Like your day is Mm. packed, but that's the reality of it. The reality Mm. is life is busy. So what are we going to do with our busy and where can we make time or where can we optimize or where can we multitask? Where can we combine like spending time with the kids while being active? Like maybe it doesn't have to look like a traditional gym workout. It's I mean, you've got snow there too. Like maybe it's running through the snow with the kids for half an hour and working up a sweat that way. So mm-hmm. trying to optimize, maximize your time. And I think too, really being honest with yourself. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we have, mm-hmm. to, I will say guilty. I'm sure I've wasted half an hour at least, if not more today already, it's 1130 AM where I am on Instagram, going back and forth instead of just structuring my time a little Mm -hmm. bit more. And it's amazing what you can do with limited time when you're forced and the busier I am. So right now I just started my master's degree. Mm. Thought that would be fun to add into the mix. So, (laughs) and I made it very clear to my clients, this absolutely doesn't change the time and effort I'm putting into the business. Mm. This is my free time. And what do you know, as soon as I add one more thing to my plate and I started the podcast, basically the same same month as my master's degree, I'm like, you adapt. And it's amazing Mm. the amount of time you find when you're forced and don't have time to waste. I love this so much. Um, (laughs) There's so many things here. Uh, But how do you stay? How do you balance being accountable to yourself and also um, giving yourself some uh, being nice to yourself? How do you how do you when, when you do miss a workout, when you do miss something? how do you bounce back from it? Cause you can't be kicking yourself when you're already down. Right. But how, how do you get up from that? How do you, what do you tell yourself? Absolutely. I think, you know, these are conversations that come up in what I do every day, whether it's mm-hmm. missing a workout or going out of ketosis, you know, I say that guilt or self-deprecation mm-hmm. it's punishing yourself twice. The action or lack of action is done. So now putting yourself through this like mental washing machine of dwelling on it, like now you're just continuing to punish yourself for what's been done. There's no undoing it. So how are you moving forward positively with the next decision? And I think that's the biggest thing is learning. And this took time again, very much like a muscle that needed flexing. When I was younger, it would be like, wait till Monday, or like I fell off halfway through the week, I'll start again. And now it's, there's a new opportunity to start right now. You know, you fell off your nutrition at noon on a Tuesday, you're back on it for your next Mm -hmm. meal, supper time on a Tuesday. Um, This is such a funny analogy. And I am always hesitant to share it because I feel like it sounds very exaggerated, but it gives a visual that seems to work with clients and they will bring it up to me later. So Self-sabotage is something we are all no strangers to. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. We could go down a very long path of the psychology of that. But 
the the image that I like to bring to mind is so when we drop our cell phone and it cracks, I mean, we've all been there, we drop our cell phone and it cracks. To me, that's the equivalent of you miss a workout or, you know, you had a mm. nutrition day that maybe wasn't optimized. What do you do when your cell phone cracks? Then do you pick it up and try to treat it with care moving forward? Or do you stomp on it and just go till it's totally broken? I mean, why do we do that with our bodies and our mindset where we've missed, you know, or cracked one day, mm -hmm. throw the whole day or throw the whole week or throw the whole month away? It's okay. Now let's get back on mm -hmm. and handle ourselves with care. Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, and there's just no damage that's undone. There's no damage done. That's not undoable mm -hmm. in one missed workout or right. It's that amalgamation that's so important. So yeah, I'm all about mm -hmm. fresh start, clean slate, but yeah. that happens that day. You know, self-sabotage can also, um, rear its head too, when you're at the top of your game. Um, you know, it, it could be doubts, it could be, um, you know, imposter syndrome, even if you're at the top of your game, you, you could have self sabotage as well. It's, it's, so it's not just when you're um, it, to me, at least, uh, I think there's, there's something there when you're when you're trying to reach something and you're almost there. Um, just it's just self sabotage rears its head talking to you, hey, um, maybe you're not ready or um maybe tomorrow let's do it tomorrow or it's just it's it's just knowing or being aware of what you're thinking or being aware of uh being mindful of what you do or what what the consequences are i think and that's why i want to it's a great segue to mindfulness you talk about mindfulness how important mindfulness is creating a sustainable lifestyle because that is what we want, right? Because we want a sustainable lifestyle where we could be healthy, happy, um, and ultimate. The ultimate goal is stay consistent. Yeah, you know, right. Mindfulness is a huge part of your program. Mm -hmm. Why do you have it added, and why is it so important to a the for the holistic uh, the overall um, lifestyle that you're building? So it's something that I really started seeing as what I believe was a gap in the coaching space um, and still very much so is. And especially in terms of healthcare, you know, being in my master's of public health, like everything in healthcare is so disjointed. And I really believe we're doing a version of healthcare, like nutrition is the base of the pyramid. It is the foundation, nutrition and wellness and um, mindfulness, obviously being a, a big part of that. So mm -hmm. I was recognizing as I was going through coaching and even, you know, in my earliest stages of coaching, which is like eight or nine years ago, it was, there was nutritionists, there were personal trainers, there were, you know, meditation experts, but nobody was really doing it all. And then you started seeing like the people who were doing nutrition and personal training that become, became very common mm. um, and still is of course to this day, but nobody seemed to be really bringing in the mindful aspect. And so with my psychology background, I started highlighting where people were really struggling in their challenge mm. to make a lifestyle change, where the self-sabotage was coming, mm. where that's stemming from, why, how do we navigate around that? And I really found that mindfulness mm. was such a missing element to kind yes. of piece this puzzle together. Because if we don't understand our own stresses, our own mm -hmm. cues, our own mm -hmm. triggers, our own invasive self-sabotaging thoughts, if we never take a pause to become aware of them, mm -hmm. it is going to be a thousand times yep. more difficult to make a lifestyle change, no matter how mm -hmm. well-intentioned we are. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. it almost always starts with mm -hmm. the mindset, but we're very like, we want results now and we want it mm -hmm. to be easy. So we think it's mm -hmm. going to be easy if we just get handed a plan and okay, mm -hmm. all I need to do is follow the program. But if the mindset doesn't shift and those habits mm -hmm. don't shift along with it, it's unlikely to be successful long-term. And so as a coach, I really pride myself in, you know, these are big shoes to fill. Um, but I say, I want to be the last 
coach that you need. I want this to be the last program that you ever need to try. This is the last investment you ever need to make in terms of, you know, a diet or anything like that. I want to figure it out and work to make this sustainable for you long-term. Now that doesn't mean I want clients to be with me long-term. I think I've done my job where we spend a series of groups or programs together, and then they graduate on and in two months, six months, one year, two years down the road, they can continuously update me on their continued progress and success and maintenance of their lifestyle. That's how I know I've done my job. I love this so much because I think mindfulness is the key, right? You could know what keto is. You could know if something's good for you. You could know broccoli is good for you. But if you're not eating broccoli or if you're not eating the way you're supposed to eat, um, it, it doesn't change. If you're not taking actions, if you just know, that doesn't change anything, right? You have to take action. To take action, you want you have to want it for yourself. You have to want change for yourself. Um, more likely than anything, people seek lifestyle changes when their backs are already against the wall, right? They're already... Um, diagnosed with something or something's uh, pushing them to finally make that change. But to be able to take action, that takes mindset, that takes being mindful of what consequences this piece of cake will do to me tomorrow or how, how, how I, I will feel the next day. So I think mindfulness is such a huge piece of the puzzle here with creating a sustainable lifestyle for everybody. Now, you talk about lifestyle, not a diet. Let's talk about keto as a lifestyle, not a diet. Different approaches. Love that. I don't think that, for one, is said enough and what it really means means as a lifestyle. Two, why should we look at it as a lifestyle as opposed to, um, you know, quote-unquote diet? Uh, yes, I hate I so I used to use the word diet mm. really frequently because I don't view diet as restrictive. I view it as the way we're eating. We all have mm. a diet, but the general vibe, the way, you, the way we use it, yes, is that it's restrictive and specifically mm. meaning weight loss. So I very quickly realized doing seminars and public speaking that people really associated the word diet with restriction. And it can be an incredibly triggering word for people where it like so many people have had negative experiences, strained relationships with food. One of the reasons I focus so much on mindfulness is because the emotional relationship with food is such a big part of what I do with clients. Mm -hmm. It's a whole nother beast that we have to deal with often. Um, so I transitioned to the language of lifestyle because it doesn't reflect restriction and it doesn't reflect temporary, like that it's temporary. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. is the base. It's the foundation. And this is why I say for myself, ketogenic base lifestyle, you know, there's flexibility within that for me personally, I am lucky that this is a nutritional choice, not a therapeutic must. So I hmm. do have some flexibility to go in and out and that's okay. I feel my best not going out of keto. So I very rarely choose to, but situationally sometimes I do and that's fine. And, um, you know, then I don't smash my cell phone and I get mm. right back to keto, <laughs> but for the lifestyle component, I like it because I think it highlights all of the other benefits of keto. So I say mm -hmm. that the, we put the cart before the horse all the time when we think about health and we think about weight loss first. So we think about fat loss first. And when I lose fat, I'll feel better. I think of it as when we eat in the way that makes us feel our best energetically, mentally, digestively, we'll lose fat, right? Because then mm -hmm. we're hormonally optimized. We're not eating foods that we have sensitivities to. Again, it allows us to actually be mindful of how do I feel when I eat X, Y, Z? That's such a simple practice that so many of us don't do. Well, we've been told for myself, for example, told my whole life that oatmeal is like such a power food and it's so healthy. Yes. And then I stopped to think about like, wow, I tend to feel unwell mm. every time mm -hmm. I eat oatmeal. Maybe this isn't a food that works for mm. me, but we, 
we listen, right? And we want to learn and we want to do our best and it's incredibly overwhelming. So we often don't step back and just think about like how that simple approach to like, how does this food make me feel? But the lifestyle component for me is, you know, let's think about where you're most energized. Let's think about where you're most cognitively clear, where you can show up as your best every single day. And the weight loss will follow if that's the Mm -hmm. goal for you. And again, it was not my original goal. I do believe now it's something that has given me so much food freedom where I am never worried about my, my weight. I'm not worried about body Mm -hmm. composition. I feel so good. I'm able to perform physically and mentally at, you know, what I really feel is my highest level every single day. But if you never try it, you'll never know. Um, so to the naysayers, that's something that I always say, like the magazine that's, you know, I don't know what magazine you're referring to that says that keto is like one of the like worst rated diets try Mm. for yourself. If you never try for yourself, you'll never know. And it's amazing how many of my clients are like, you know what, I'm just going to do this eight week program. And like, I I don't think it's for me. And then they feel it. And they're like, Oh my God, like I had no idea I could feel so much better. And that was my experience too. So I say to everyone, even if you're a naysayer, try it for three months, nothing Mm. undoable is going to happen. If you think it's the worst Mm. thing in the world, I mean, nothing dire is going to happen in three months. And I can promise you, you're probably going to have the opposite experience of what you expect if you do it right. Like this is why I'm so passionate about ketogenic coaching as well as mm-hmm. I think that people really lead themselves astray in their initial foray into keto, mm-hmm. where if you've got, if you've had a really bad first experience with keto, you're unlikely to try it again. So the lifestyle component to come back to is that mm-hmm. Really, for me, it's about focus on how you feel and then also understand if you keep making the decisions you're making now in terms of your nutrition and your wellness, what's Mm. what's the relative risk of your health versus if you make a nutritional change. So again, Mm. when it came to the longevity side of things, the slowing of aging, the disease prevention, the slow progression of disease in terms of, I mean, Alzheimer's, dementia, cancer. That was a huge part of my decision-making from a really young age where I'm like, if I can mitigate the risk in any way by Mm. eating a ketogenic diet over a carb-based diet, a thousand times over, I'm going to make that choice. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about tools for your clients. Do you, now you talk about meditation and do you employ meditation as part of your coaching process? And what do they think about that habit changes, behavioral changes? We can get into the psychology of things. How do you incorporate those things into coaching? And is there, you know, meditation involved in your coaching? There is actually. It's, I would say, a side component. Mm-hmm. It, it's incredibly difficult to encourage people to take time out of their day to mm-hmm. sit and be mm-hmm. still, let me tell you. <laughs> so I encourage mindfulness in many ways. My favorite version of mindfulness is moving mindfulness, you know, yoga, walks outside, but mm-hmm. being present and actually focusing on being in that mm-hmm. moment, which we so rarely mm-hmm. do. Um, I Within the last year or so started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which I think maybe really sounds funny to like akin that to mindfulness and meditation, but you have to be so focused. And so in the moment that for me, it really does feel meditative. And that's a very common um, like descriptor, I guess, in martial arts in general, I'm not the first to have made that uh, relationship, but for my clients, first of all, I'm constantly encouraging it. And to the point of like beating a dead horse, if I can get someone to start their day with a meditation, it doesn't have to be 20, 30 minutes. I think that's one of the things that really puts people off of meditation. You know, we imagine the sitting cross-legged with our hands in our lap and it's like 30 minutes of silence. And Mm -hmm. that's not realistic for most people. We live really busy lives. So my whole approach with everything in terms of nutrition, exercise, mindfulness uh, is let's be as efficient and effective as possible and make it realistic for your life. Right. Like we're all busy. Mm -hmm. We we are going to have trouble finding 30 minutes in a day to meditate Mm -hmm. plus exercise and plus make our meals. So I recommend it for everyone. And then I provide resources. So I just recommend my, some of my favorite apps, for example, there's incredible free apps, like the world's at our fingertips in terms of what we can access virtually, let alone for free. And then I also do guided Mm -hmm. meditations on 
um, one of my group pages. So all of my past and present clients get access to an ongoing page where I do weekly videos and share resources, et cetera, to keep them in a community and try to help keep them sustainable long-term. So I'm still there to access for questions, guidance, whatever they need. Um, so just two weeks ago, the video we did was a guided body scan meditation. So I'll record it. They can access it anytime. Um, so, and I recommend lots of books as well, focused on mindfulness meditation. Mm -hmm. So it is something I am constantly talking about and always trying to plant that seed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't yeah. always take, and that's okay. It's not going to be changing someone's whole life in a mm -hmm. 180. It's one step at a time. So if we focus on nutrition first, great. And then we can start bringing in these other things again, because as I love the world word optimization, lifestyle optimization, maybe life's great. And now you're healthy mm. and you're feeling good on keto, but maybe you can optimize a little bit more bringing in mindfulness every day. Yeah. I think mindfulness and meditation is, is just something that you have to do to be able to, um, you, you, you also talked about having be being aware with what you feel, what your body feels and with meditation, you stop and really just listen to your body, listen to yourself and being present in the moment. I think because I had been practicing me meditation, um, I'm not very consistent with it, but I, I really uh, had so much success with just knowing what my body feels like just being aware, having that self-awareness and having um, to delay gratification because of meditation, I was able to um, think all the problems through when I'm stressed, I meditate, run outside. I, it, it's just, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, in any way educated with meditation, but just speaking for myself and, Whenever I'm stressed, I would run outside. I would run a mile, a couple of miles. And it's just bringing me such great um, mood. It's bringing me to out of my, just going outside, you know, breathing fresh air and having to focus in one, uh, you know, running outside. So I just really believe that meditation goes hand in hand with mindfulness i think it's just my opinion um absolutely i don't know the science behind that but it just works for me um so i'd like to get into the psychology a little bit with your clients um what is that you see from clients from whom are successful in your program and what do they have that others who fail don't What's the difference? Do you see a, a a big difference? And if you could point out to that difference that helped them be successful. Um, yeah. Interesting. Well, I will say it's very rare. I don't know if I would ever say that I feel as though someone fails. Truly. Mm. Um, mm. The accountability aspect that I work to provide through my coaching, I think really helps to negate the chances of that. Now, maybe someone gets through a program and for whatever reason decides keto is not for them. You know, that is always difficult for me because I mm. really believe that there's a way we can design keto to work for everyone. Um, and, you know, that's maybe we'll get into it if we have time, but, um, you know, just it, it, it's like not ruining good for perfect, right? Like mm. in a perfect world, everyone's eating homegrown natural foods. It's like, that's not, we're busy. We got to like grab and go sometimes and be able to navigate gas. And so it's very mm. rare that I feel like anybody ever fails. I would definitely never mm. say that. You know, I tell my clients all the time, I'm never ever going to be disappointed in you. I'm disappointed if you're disappointed in yourself, like mm. let's figure out how to get around that. So a lot of what I focus on psychology is, you know, positive mindset, the working around self-sabotage. I think the mindfulness is a big part of the psychology because we don't recognize our patterns. One of the mm -hmm. biggest, simplest things that I do is to introduce people to this framework, um, which is a very basic 
psych framework, but it, it is focused largely on in the book, the power of habit. Um, mm, and so it's yep. that we all have, you know, cues or triggers and then habits that lead to a reward. So earlier on, I mentioned, mm. you know, we're only human. We all just want comfort, either increasing like feelings of well-being and comfort or decreasing stress. Almost all of our habits, we can simplify to think of in that way. Most habits that we have are either to make us feel better or to move, remove stress. Now, the mm. big, biggest example are negative habits. We have a cue or a trigger, generally emotional, mm. right? Or you know, psychological where we're stressed, angry, overwhelmed, generally a, a high negative emotion mm-hmm. triggers us to wanna feel better. We wanna remove that feeling of disease. So we do something that really quickly right? Like that immediate comfort that we talked about really quickly makes us feel better. So emotional eating, alcohol, you know, things of that nature. So we have a cure trigger. So one of the biggest things that I do, which helps people to self-sabotage and to talk about their Mm. psychology is highlight, first of all, what are your negative habits? What is the cue or trigger of them? And it's very rare that we can remove that cue or trigger, right? Like life is busy. It's stressful. There's going to be hard moments. So we're going to be emotional. So instead, what can we do to replace that habit? Mm. Just trying to break a bad habit is very challenging. We can be well-intentioned and say, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop. But instead, if we replace that bad habit with a more positive habit that still has the effect of making us feel better and removing stress. Running is a perfect example that you used. Mm. Running when you're feeling like your mind is racing or you're anxious Mm. or you're sad Mm. or upset or whatever the case is, you know, you can have that run be triggered by those emotions. Mm. And then you get that effect of dopamine endorphins, and it has a long-term net positive effect. Whereas the negative habits, you know, Mm. they maybe make you feel better, but for a very brief moment, and then they have a long-term net negative effect. So we do lots of different psychological approach. And I will say, like, I always disclaimer, I'm not a therapist. I have a, you know, entry-level psychology degree, but the more that I've learned just through working with people, the more I learn that it's so much about the mind and the emotions Mm -hmm. and the relationship with food, the relationship with their bodies, the relationship with their habits Mm -hmm. over just nutrition itself. So that's probably yeah. one of the first things Man. that I do with people. That's the toughest thing because um, do you ever get messages from your clients saying, hey, um, you know, I didn't eat that piece of cake yesterday or I stopped myself from, uh, you know, eating way too much or um, do you ever get those uh, messages? Oh, yeah. Like celebrating kind of mm-hmm. the like flexing that discipline mm-hmm. muscle. I mm-hmm. mean, Halloween just passed and I my check ins that next week, there was so much of it, you know, and a lot of it, too, with keto cravings going down and people feeling a better ability to be in control of right. their food as a result of being in keto mm-hmm. and also because of that mindfulness. So a really simple example of a mindfulness exercise is say, let's say that no foods are off limit. I don't feel like any foods are off limit for me personally with keto. I'm not waking up every day saying like, Oh my goodness, I can't have carbs. I have no desire to eat carbs because I know how poorly they make me feel. So it's not ever as if I'm flexing this muscle for myself of discipline. It's um, I am mindful. So Mm. I, before I eat anything, think about how it's going to make me feel Mm. just taking that pause, take one second before you're going to eat or drink something and say, how is this going to make me feel or something? Even you could take it one step further. Huge. It, what does the version of myself that is healthiest, happiest, and feel my mm-hmm. best, what decision do they make in this moment? That's a level of mindfulness that can help you make positive food decisions where eventually you don't have to work so hard to actively flex mm-hmm. that muscle. It just will be come innate. Wow. Oh man, I want to be respectful of your time. We're almost over time here. Oh, that's I, okay. wanna... I mean, look, I, this is my favorite topic. So <laughs> you give no, me, can, a, yeah, you give me you a know, platform to talk about keto and it's my toxic trade as I'll never shut up about keto. And I truly appreciate that. Um, b- before we end it, I want to ask you, how does one get the most out of your system, out of your coaching? If if I'm a new client, what, what's what's my what's my what's my mindset going, what should my mindset go going into your coaching be? And, um, 
what's 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 a good goal to have? So this is so simple, but I mean, I think I'll say there's like two or threefold things to highlight. But one of the most simple things you can do is hold yourself accountable by being accountable to me. Mm-hmm. On weeks that feel like they were not a great week. Those are the weeks that people need to check in the most and be accountable with the coach the most, because that's where we highlight where the break in the system is happening. That's where we highlight where the mindset was falling off or what we need to do in terms of habit replacement. So the reflection process that happens checking in after a week where maybe one didn't feel like they thrived, this is a no judgment zone. As a coach, I am never ever judging someone for having a tough week. I'm analyzing how can we make tough lives, tough weeks easier moving forward. And now let's build your personal toolbox to make that happen. So I think one of the biggest things is if you're in a coaching program and this is anything, whether, you know, and this is a level of like, I guess my, Mm -hmm. you said you use the word contract to yourself, which I really Mm -hmm. like that. So this is part of like the contract that someone needs to make to themselves when they're signing up and, you know, engaging in a contract with me is they're being accountable to themselves by being accountable to me because one day I'm not going to be there. So having that commitment to follow in, follow through, even on a week where things weren't great. And something that I do with my coaching is even if we're doing a virtual like zoom check-in call, I don't want to use the word force, encourage uh, all of my clients to do a check-in form that is on my website. And we talk on that form about how was the week? How was your consistency? What was your non-scale victories? What was your stress level? What was your sleep? So on and mm-hmm. so forth, because so often we're just go, go, go. We don't even take a minute to reflect on how the week was, let alone what worked, what didn't, what was the success? What was the struggle? So that reflective process that comes with the accountability of check-ins is really important. And then actively adopting new systems. This is a lifestyle change. So it's not only going to be just changing your meals. It's implementing these other habits that support the lifestyle change. So on my coaching app, I actually prescribe daily habits to people as well. Meditation. I often prescribe two minutes of meditation to people. That's my, because when we start the day on a win like that, it starts a snowball effect, so on and so Mm -hmm. forth. And patience. Number three, I will just say patience. If it took you 30 years to ingrain the lifestyle and mindset that you have right now, it's not going to necessarily be undone in eight weeks of coaching. It's not fair to yourself Mm -hmm. to expect that. And it's also a very difficult position for a coach where we need time to help you reframe these Mm -hmm. patterns and the systems and the mindset, and it will come with time, but patience Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest things. And, you know, a lack of patience and ability uh, and willingness to commit time is another form of self-sabotage that I see all the Mm -hmm. time. So do the check-ins, do the accountability, Mm -hmm. do that work, implement your systems and be patient with your consistency. Uh That's a, that's a perfect ending. Patience. (laughs) I love that. Wow. Um, man, there's a lot here, guys. Check her website, kywellness.ca. This has been a blast. I believe in this so much, uh, Coach Callie. I believe in this so much with meditation, mindfulness. It really works well with just building this lifestyle. You have to have that. You have to build your habits in the beginning because this is your habits that you formed for many, many years. And you have to be patient with yourself because you are uh, slowly building a habit that you've never uh, done before. And so just be patient with yourself. And uh, wow, this has been a blast. Thank you once again for coming on, sharing your story. Um, do you have a YouTube channel, by the way? Do you know what? I don't. I mm-hmm. used to have a YouTube channel when I was mm-hmm. bodybuilding and it just wasn't in alignment with what I'm doing anymore. So I scratched it completely. Uh, But maybe one day that is something I'd like to do. And thank you for having me. It is, I love having a chance to talk about things like this. I think if we plant the seed with one person to make a change, that's so valuable. And now I can't wait to have you on my podcast next. (laughs) Well, we'll do that. We'll do that. Well, thank you so much once again. Coach Callie, kywellness.ca, kywellness.ca co on instagram and wow this has been a blast thank you so much coach thank you so much talk to you soon talk to you soon
Bye bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to another great episode here on the Ketones and Coffee podcast. And we've had such a pleasure of hosting yet another amazing guest here, guys. If you're eager to learn more about the secrets of succeeding on the ketogenic lifestyle, be sure to check out the show notes. As a special treat for our loyal listeners, I'm offering an exclusive opportunity for a free consultation call. Discover how you can achieve success on the ketogenic lifestyle by simply referring to the details provided in the show notes take advantage guys of this unique chance to enhance your journey to a healthier you and stay tuned for more captivating episodes and until next time guys keep embracing the power of ketones